Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. It's the greatest threat to confront vaping, and likely you may have missed it. Over the past 18 months, a dangerous misinformation campaign has emerged, falsely linking vaping to fentanyl. It began with easy-to-dismiss reports, but in the past several months, hysteria has grown to alarming levels. It appears an orchestrated campaign is underway that includes some surprising actors who appear to be weaponizing this false narrative in a geopolitical battle with the People's Republic of China. Joining us today to talk through the details of this threat to vaping is Tony Abood, Executive Director of the Vapor Technology Association. Tony, thanks for coming back on the show. Brian, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you again. Tony, I mean, I have to thank you for bringing the story to our full attention. You just delivered a bombshell presentation at the Next Generation Nicotine Delivery Conference in Miami, Florida, where you outlined in meticulous detail the unfolding of this campaign and to raise the alarm within the industry. Tell us what's going on. Well, what we're seeing, uh, Brent, is a coordinated, highly orchestrated, what appears to be a highly paid for campaign that is directly tying one type of nicotine device, a disposable vaping product, nicotine vaping product to fentanyl. And I don't need to tell you or the audience how uh, dangerous of a term fentanyl is. Obviously fentanyl has been and is an ongoing crisis. Overdoses in the United States number in the tens of thousands. And obviously that is pri primarily in pill form or other forms. But what we noticed when we started looking at the reports that have been coming out, there are reports that involve uh, generally described vaping devices and fentanyl. However, the orchestrated campaign that I was mentioning uh, just a bit ago um, is targeting specifically Chinese-made flavored disposable vaping products and making statements uh, that are very uh, dangerous and very egregious when it comes to the allegation that these products and only these products are being imported into the United States with fentanyl to harm U.S. children. Yeah, it's a, it's a very serious allegation. As everyone does know, that fentanyl is highly dangerous. It's 50 times stronger than heroin and is responsible for killing tens of thousands of Americans a year. So by tying um, uh, vaping in any manner to this, um, is this another kind of e-valley? Well, here's the comparison. Um, we see some organic news reports from local areas that are where they are finding or confiscating vape pens is what they call them. Oftentimes they're THC vape pens. But the headlines, of course, like with Ivali, were only talking about uh, vaping devices or fentanyl-laced vaping devices. And so there is the parallel with the Ivali crisis where you actually have uh, some hospitalizations of young people. Um, and uh, in you know in overdose cases where they've they've had to receive medical attention. A warning this afternoon from medical experts who say there has been a significant increase in young people vaping nicotine and other substances. 
and sometimes those substances are laced with potentially deadly drugs. A warning to parents and teenagers, as doctors say more and more young people are vaping nicotine and other substances. But what they say is even more concerning, many students are sharing those vaping pens and other devices, using them to vape THC and other illegal drugs. The vape pens that are going back and forth between friends, you don't know what they put in there, what somebody put in there for them. The alarming trend is being seen in the West Shore School District, where a student overdosed in the Redland High School cafeteria on Friday. According to a letter from the district superintendent, the student fortunately became responsive after two doses of Narcan were administered by school nurses. While the district did not specifically say what this student overdosed on, the superintendent says on occasion, vaping substances being used by students are laced with potentially deadly drugs like fentanyl, with or without the student's knowledge. Doctors with UPMC say this is becoming more and more common across the region. It's not difficult at all to add fentanyl to a vape solution. So it's, um, you know, unless you're getting your vape solution from a reliable source in a sealed container, the reality is you just have no idea what it is that you're using. You have these hyper generalized headlines uh, in the media that that conflate um, the different types of vaping devices, even conflate whether it contains nicotine or THC. And now you have calls in this organized campaign for a specific public policy response or regulatory response, which is of course, the same as it was during Yavali, which is you need to ban these flavored disposables. Um, and, and the net impact are, in my assessment, in our assessment, is that this poses a real threat, not only to the industry, but also it's going to scare consumers in the manner in which Evali did. We know that Evali was tied to illicit market THC products because of the vitamin E acetate that was uh, was put into those products. They were adulterated post post manufacture, um, and for the reasons that unscrupulous drug dealers do what they do. Um, we see the same pattern here, and yet, and the public reaction um, is going to react to what the media is talking about. So vaping generally, or now this orchestrated campaign, which is get rid of flavors that are coming into the country uh, from from these uh, from from China in particular, uh, and in this one form of device, which is the disposable. And so the comparisons to Evali are are are, are multifold. And at the end of the day, the concern and the fear is that consumers will be scared away once and for all from nicotine vaping and back to smoking. Now, there were specific kind of bad actors, if you will, that were responsible for pushing the Evali uh, misinformation campaign. It really came out of the CDC, Centers for Disease Control. FDA <clears throat> at the time did step away from it, but they, you know, they're still playing their part are these actors the same that are pushing uh, this fentanyl scare too as well? It's hard to say. I think that what we saw with Evali and what I spoke about at the conference in Miami was the fact that, that the industry and the American public suffered through a misinformation campaign where there was a legitimate public health crisis the reporting on that crisis was not accurate. 
um, and, and specific, where you had different entities uh, that were seeking to capitalize on that crisis um, so that they could uh, achieve their own objectives. And that's where we saw the calls for um, banning flavored nicotine, which had absolutely nothing to do with illicit THC products. Uh, and so when you had that regulatory reaction that emanated from uh, a lot of misinformation and the calls from some powerful people in that case, like Mike Bloomberg and Matt Myers from the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, who went on national television and tied the two things together uh, when they had no basis to do so, that perpetuated the ultimate decision from the White House to try to ban all flavored vaping. And now we're seeing, of course, the similar type of narrative. The difference is that the underlying stories reveal a potential issue, nothing on the scale of what we had seen with Ivali, certainly not, certainly not the number of cases, um, but the, the paid for narrative or the orchestrated campaign definitely looks to be in the, attempting to capitalize on this issue and, and doing so in such a pernicious way that it will taint all vaping products um, and all devices them, uh, of, of any kind. Uh, and, there, and it appears to be driven to achieve a specific purpose. Um, to answer the earlier question, what's interesting is that the ongoing, there's been an ongoing campaign to eliminate uh, flavored nicotine disposables from the market. Some of the public health groups like the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids and the Truth Initiative really haven't jumped on that. Um, you know, they don't mention the issue of fentanyl very much. They have plenty of other things and pieces of misinformation that they use, as we know. But this is not, does not appear, at least to me, to be driven by those same actors, or they don't appear to be taking advantage of the situation in the way that they did during the Ivali crisis. Let's take a moment to walk through some of the specific um, articles that have recently come out, which demonstrate what you're talking about in terms of tying this to China. So the first one, Tony, that we'll look at, and here we have it in this great document you've put together on the manufactured campaign op-eds. This is in Fox News, which I certainly saw this when it came out and I shook my head, is Dr. Tom Price, China is coming for our kids with these dangerous products. May 18th, 2023, tell us about this. Well, it's, it's probably the scariest headline, the most um, extreme headline somebody could write. The first half of this particular piece talks about <clears throat> how China is bringing fentanyl into the United States uh, to hurt uh, American children. And it immediately pivots uh, to e-cigarettes and how they are importing e-cigarettes into the United States with fentanyl. Uh, and some of the statements uh, are particularly egregious, um, such as boosting these disposable vapes with illegal levels of nicotine to increase addiction levels among children is one thing, but adding fentanyl to them can make them deadly. Uh, and this particular op-ed, as well as the other ones that have come out, all refer to the, the reports generally 
indicate that officials have found some of the vapes laced with fentanyl. Now, as I mentioned earlier, when we looked at all of the supposed reports, um, none of them, except for one, even mentions a disposable vaping product. And as with Avali, virtually all of them involve vape pens generally or THC vape pens. And that is obviously a mis... So that statement itself is using the smallest thread to assert a conclusion that um, from which a, from which a conclusion cannot be drawn. And Dr. Price, Tom Price, he's an American physician and Republican Party politician who served as the U.S. representative for Georgia's sixth congressional district, and he was appointed by President Donald Trump as United States Secretary of Health and Human Services. So he was the top guy, the HHS secretary in 2017 with purview over vaping products. Yes, he was. And so obviously he is a recognized figure, a national voice and um, a national voice raising this kind of alarm based upon these facts is, uh, um, you know, is very concerning uh, because it really just came out of the blue. Right? I mean, we don't have uh, much that preceded this except for some interesting discussion in the regulatory world that related to, to, to fentanyl. But as to actual incidents and reports, um, there is just scant evidence that there was any sort of threat of the nature that he is describing in this particular piece. Now, the next piece we're going to take a look at is from June 10th, 2023, so just about a month ago, and it's titled Get Rid of Dangerous Vapes. It's from the Nevada Independent and by James Smack. Tell us about this. Well, this is um, what we saw as the first in a series in June. I mean, there were all of a sudden uh, four or five different op-eds that that posted in June. One was from Mr. Smack, who I believe was the former GOP or maybe his current still GOP national committeeman from the state of Nevada. This particular op-ed is again, talking about the dangerousness of disposable e-cigarettes and how they are coming, they are quote, being smuggled in from communist China um, and that they are especially dangerous because they may contain life-threatening chemicals, including fentanyl. These particular um, uh, uh, types of statements, uh, even if they're characterized as may contain, is really, the headline is what, what, what matters in most of these cases, but this is just one piece of this ongoing narrative. So you had the first piece by former Secretary Price, and now this uh, uh, other piece from uh, Mr. Smack. And then, so that's a Republican GOP, but we have one here from a Democrat, um, Nan, Senator Nan Orok. Yes. So again, when you, when, when you see campaigns like this, or when you know there's a campaign, put it this way, you, you see different types of voices from different types uh, from with different stakeholder type positions. So we have a national secretary, we have a GOP national committeeman. Here is a state senator who is making again the 
virtually identical claims um, and talking about the danger of foreign manufacturers bringing in illegal vapes uh, and how this is dangerous to children and how some vaping devices are turning up with fentanyl. Uh, again, just making the statements as if they are fact um, and, and tying it again to nicotine vaping products and specifically disposable uh, products. And then immediately thereafter, right, um, we saw a almost, I think it was within the week, uh, another op-ed, this one published by a father. His name was uh, Greg Swan. And he obviously is went through an enormously difficult situation with the loss of his son or daughter to a fentanyl overdose. Um, and there's no one that would critique somebody who's had that kind of loss. But the statements he's making um, are, are very interesting here because he doesn't, again, they're, they're virtually identical talking points in each one of these particular stories. The headline of his particular piece is very inflammatory, uh, as you can see from the graphic there. Um, and it's, it's very threatening. And again, the scare tactic uh, through this uh, particular type of narrative is, I think, dangerous to the overall industry, regardless of the device type that you may be interested in or that you may manufacture. And as a consumer, uh, I think it sends a very dangerous message that nicotine vaping products are, are, are dangerous and you better stay away. It's troubling uh, to see uh, this issue around disposables being co-opted, I use the word weaponized, by those who are trying to uh, do battle with China. It's an easy narrative, right? If, 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 one is, is, if one wants to attack one segment of this industry, the disposable segment of the industry, which as we know has grown significantly in the last, um, the last couple of years, um, this is one of the easiest ways to do it, right? Tie it into, particularly from the, the GOP side, the ongoing rhetoric, uh, the geopolitical rhetoric, that is hostile towards China uh, and play into those same concerns and those same fears uh, of, of, of dealing with a country like China and, and then make this particular issue uh, somehow relevant in the overall geopolitical narrative that's ongoing. Um, and so it's really taking an issue and using something that is in the current ongoing public discussion about how the government should be responding to, to China, what are the rational threats that China poses to the United States, and saying, look, here, here is a very specific threat that they pose to the United States, um, because as was indicated in the, that first op-ed, the Communist Party in China is importing these disposable products with fentanyl in them when they cross the border to um, to harm our children. Uh, and so in that sense, one, one, would, one would believe that this effort, uh, to the extent that it is orchestrated, is a, is a pernicious effort. It has a strategy behind it to tie into the geopolitical narrative um, and, and to amplify it as such. 
but the ramifications, regardless of what you think about disposable products, the ramifications, I think, are huge for the entire sector. Uh, I think it is very difficult, given the fact that all devices or virtually all devices are made in China, including those made by just about every company in the industry. Uh, I, I think it's it's somewhat fanciful to think that you're going to be able to keep this narrative as closely confined and limited to uh, impacting just this one subsegment of the industry, particularly when the stories that come out generally refer to vapes and the media generally refers to vapes. And we'll see the same kind of problem that we saw with Ivali, where vaping and e-cigarettes were generally thought of as being at the core of the Ivali crisis. Yeah, at some point, they're going to weigh things down to a point where the average person, the majority, will say, it, you know, this vaping is not worth the trouble. Uh, and that would be it. That, that is a real concern. Um, I, I, personally, I said at the conference that, you know, were this to continue uh, and this narrative to be set in the mindset of the American public, uh, it will um, it will be like a valley, um, primarily from the perspective of people will believe that these devices are really unsafe nicotine devices and then walk away, look for some other kind of option. One, of course, could be cigarette smoking. And I think from a regulatory perspective, it's even more dangerous because there will be an opportunity for groups to seize on this narrative uh, as it progresses and, and, and use it as justification for, see, it's time now. You know, we've, 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 we've dabbled with this question of vaping, uh, nicotine and flavors. It's time to just end it all. And we know that there are abolitionists that have that objective. Um, and I think that this kind of campaign just makes their work that much easier. One of the things that does bother me is that this does seem to be coming from the right, uh, which was an area for so long, going all the way back to the D.C. rally, um, had been, you know, some hope for the vaping community, uh, connecting with that more libertarian, maybe conservative kind of uh, point of view. And yet now we're seeing major players um, in the from the GOP, GOP side pushing this, including Florida's attorney general. Uh, that came out with a video and a message, and this was just on June 21st. So Ron DeSantis' attorney general is pushing this uh, storyline. I'm Attorney General Ashley Moody with some alarming news. According to a just-released Families Against Fentanyl report, children younger than 14 are dying of fentanyl poisoning at a faster rate than any other age group. We're also seeing news stories about high school students suffering from complications after using vapes that might contain fentanyl. And as Florida's Attorney General, I want to encourage parents to talk to their children about the dangers associated with using drugs. Remember, any substance sold on the black market could contain fentanyl. It's in counterfeit pills, cocaine, meth, and possibly even in illicit vaping pods. Using just one time can kill. Yeah, it's interesting that there has been some focus uh, in Florida. There was um, a, a, a 
business trade association called the Florida Retail Federation, which published a report, we're echoing the exact same sentiments that uh, we found in these other other pieces that were uh, being published in June. Uh, and that series, again, this is, again, the next one in the series. And they, of course, refer to what the Attorney General of Florida had to say. Uh, I don't know if it's coincidence because the ban the the bill that would essentially ban flavored disposables was filed by a congresswoman from Florida, but uh, or if there is some concern that there is some knowledge that Governor DeSantis, while he was governor, did veto a flavor ban uh, and has perhaps differing views. But regardless, I think that the uh, again the different pieces that keep coming out that parrot the same types of claims uh, make this a narrative which could get easily set in the regulatory world, particularly when those words are coming out of the mouths of public officials. You are so right about that, Tony. The last one that um, we're gonna show from your document here was um, from the Washington Free Beacon on June 20th. And this brink pulls the FDA uh, into it. So is this a part of a pressure campaign now that's being turned onto the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to kind of push them over the over the cliff? Well, this one, I mean, this piece certainly takes that angle. It looks like it's trying to embarrass the FDA for taking certain actions. For example, the FDA recently uh, made a big announcement of its 180 retailer warning letter nationwide blitz. Uh, and that uh, announcement received a lot of, of ballyhoo in the media. And what's interesting is that the agency in that press release uh, also engaged in some concerning statements tying certain products to poison by raising the issue of poison control calls. I, I thought that it was particularly problem, this gets to be particularly problematic as a narrative. When, as I was mentioning before, public officials either wittingly or unwittingly play into that narrative. So to, so to see this series of op-eds and reports that we were just talking about from the middle of May until the end of June, be immediately followed by an FDA announcement, which says, that Elf Bar products are associated with poison, um, I, I mean, just really struck a chord. Um, I'm not suggesting at all that the agency is somehow involved in this, but I thought it was particularly problematic at the time that they made their press release that they used that type of rationale to justify their actions, given the, the, what had been being said. I've noticed that there a, a good handful of the people that have been putting out these op-eds are from tobacco growing states. Is that the conspiracy minded thing going on here or is there something to that? I think I think Brent the the real question is why is this narrative being shared in the way that it's being shared, right? What is the ultimate objective here? Um, and when there is such scant evidence of flavored nicotine disposables, 
being associated with fentanyl, it raises the question as to how does this happen and why? Um, so I think that the there is a lot of pressure on the industry right now. The agency itself has uh, been heavily criticized as we've talked about by the Reagan Udall Foundation. It is struggling to get control of a marketplace that it has declared as all being illegal. Uh, and this is part of the, the problem, right? When the agency declares that every product that it has not yet authorized, which basically means a handful of products are illegal, then more pressure is brought to bear on the agency to remove the illegal products from the market. The challenge, of course, is the agency deciding, well, which of all of the illegal products that are out there, because according to the agency, they're all illegal, but for this handful, uh, should it remove? And those are fair policy debates to have and fair criticisms to make of the agency in the manner, in terms of the manner in which it is actually ed, enforcing and the manner in which it is implementing its regulatory scheme. But a narrative of this kind, I think, does an enormous disservice to consumers who uh, are using uh, nicotine vaping products to stay away from smoking cigarettes. Uh, and we know the effect that smoking cigarettes has on you. Um, and, in, in, in it is so, I guess, pernicious because of the fact that the, the, the volume of, 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 of op-eds that are coming out. And then the last one that we looked at wasn't even an op-ed. It was just a, a, a story in the, uh, the Washington Times, which all of this will have an effect on what regulators think. Uh, and, and, and that's why it's extremely important from our perspective that the regulators themselves be very cautious in how they talk about these products. It's bad enough that we have a, a, a regulatory structure that gives some lip service to the whole concept of continuum of risk, uh, yet on the other hand, has massive multimedia campaigns of their own to tell children and parents just how dangerous these products are. That's why I took such great exception to this last press release that tried to invoke the, the poison control calls, especially when you look at the poison control data. The poison, the poison control calls for vapes pale in comparison to poison control calls for household bleach, hand sanitizer, and disinfectant. Um, so I think that when you look at real data on these points, you see that the statements that are being made are out of step. But I think the biggest concern was when the word fentanyl came out of the mouth of the FDA commissioner in front of Congress. My understanding is that a, a lot of these products uh, that are available in our country actually are illegally imported from China. Could you talk about your plans to get these uh, potentially dangerous Chinese products off the market and out of the hands of our children? And could you talk about the level of confidence you, that you have <clears throat> um, that the flavored disposable vapor products don't contain harmful chemicals, uh, even drugs like fentanyl? I think this is an all-a-government issue. There's recently been some publicity. I, I think it's no surprise, but of great concern to me that fentanyl may be showing up now.
in uh, vaping products. Uh, I think it was just a matter of time. He said there's recently been some publicity. Um, and he said he's not surprised that, that these products are coming into the country with fentanyl. And it was just a matter of time. Uh, like I said, we looked at the publicity and there was certainly no evidence prior to the time he made that statement that we have an issue of importing nicotine vaping products into the United States that contain fentanyl. So I found that to be very alarming. Uh, I think that what we have is a situation where public health officials, particularly the FDA, have a serious responsibility to not play into the rhetoric uh, and to properly warn. So if there is a serious public health crisis, then they should tell the American public what that crisis involves. So during Ivali, we actually credited the FDA for issuing proper warnings about illicit THC products containing vitamin E acetate, whereas we chided the CDC for doing the opposite, for talking about e-cigarettes all the time and for naming the crisis with the term e-cigarette. Here it is equally important that regulators not simply buy into public reports have suggested kind of language, but they have a responsibility to dig into those reports, understand what they're about, uh, and, and they have the, the capability to do that before they even start suggesting that fentanyl is being brought into the United States in, in e-cigarettes. I, I said this back in 2019, if the government isn't properly warning about what the public health crisis actually is, then, then, then the public has no idea what to avoid and, um, and, and how to keep themselves safe. And so I think this is a very dangerous time for the industry, which is why, and, and, and if these stories continue to run, and it appears that there is a sequencing of them, because we've also seen other groups all of a sudden start to uh, carry this message. There's a third party group in Washington, DC that takes out, it's taken out a full page ad in uh, national newspapers saying it's time for the Biden FDA to close the loophole on these illegal disposable vapes from China because they're dangerous. Um, this is There's a lot of money behind this effort. Uh, that's not a cheap endeavor on top of everything else that's happening. And so the ultimate question is, where does it go from here? So, well, actually, the ultimate question for me is who's paying for this? Yeah, and it, it, it's 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 like I said, you know, there's no real way to find out who's paying for this. Um, and I think that the public and those that scrutinize this issue just simply have to look at uh, the the basic the basic things, which is kind of why is this narrative being perpetuated? Who benefits from the narrative itself? Who loses from the narrative itself? Uh, and and then consider. What's really at play here? What's the ultimate objective? Um, because uh, again, I think sophisticated folks who do public affairs understand the impact that this type of narrative can have. Um, and um, that impact I contend is 
will be extremely broad and not limited in the fashion uh, in which it appears uh, that the, 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 the statements are, are trying to, to be limited. It's kryptonite, without any doubt. So, Tony, to wrap up here, what can the industry do? What should the industry do? And what happens if the industry does nothing? Yeah, I think the short answer is uh, when we when when we were confronted with the Ivali crisis, uh, that then spawned numerous other uh, uh, challenges to the industry, uh, from a public perception issue to a crisis management issue, to um, the 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 announcement by the president that he was going to ban flavored nicotine products to the reactionary lawsuits by executives at the state level to ban flavored vaping products uh, because people were getting sick and people were dying from illicit THC products. What we did at that time when we were facing an existential crisis was we mounted a very sophisticated response strategy that drew the lines where they needed to be drawn uh, explain the facts as they needed to be explained, and then drew attention to the ill-conceived policy response to the actual crisis uh, and, and, and provided some alternatives to having a rational regulatory response uh, rather than a reactionary uh, regulatory response to hyperbo hyperbolic uh, press statements. Uh, I, I frankly think that that is the level of response that's needed now. Uh, it's something of the uh, along the same order uh, to that we were able to put together in terms of the 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 campaign to uh, respond to the Ovali narrative, to respond to the critique of flavors, and to respond to the attempts to ban flavors. Um, through those various uh, various uh, channels. And we have to do the same to make clear uh, that we are dealing with not a nicotine vaping fentanyl crisis in the United States. Uh, and, and, and because if we let this particular narrative set, um, then that is what regulators will believe. And we've seen how easy is it easy it is for them to to speak in those terms uh, but most importantly uh, consumers i don't think the industry gets three strikes not on this level when you had the level of public health scare involved uh, uh, with ivali and the already um, hypersensitive concerns about fentanyl it is it doesn't take a a scientist to figure out or a statistician to figure out um, or a public health expert to figure out that this type of campaign tying disposable or nicotine vaping products because will will taint the entire industry and will basically tell, uh, lead consumers to say, you know what, I'm done. There's I'm not I'm not taking this risk. Uh, it's it's just too great. I'm going to find something else. And there are plenty of other alternatives for consumers to turn to. We know that. Um, so um, that's what we have to do. I mean, we have to we have to clarify the record. We have to reestablish the fact that uh, nicotine vaping products have a role to play in in harm reduction. 
that nicotine vaping products have a role to play in, in smoking cessation, that there are smart, rational, regulatory approaches to addressing whatever residual concerns there are about youth vaping, given the fact that youth vaping has now dropped to 2014 levels, um, and that there are, there are rational restrictions other than banning them to address uh, flavored vaping products and making sure that adults have a choice, but also are not scared away from vaping products altogether.